Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1982. Today I thought we'd mix it up a little bit. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Auburn, Washington, just north of Gig Harbor here. Finally, the sun came out and the snow is melting. We've had a very odd seven days of snow here. Uh, We're welcoming back the liquid sunshine, as we call it. And I've got a very special guest on the show today with me. It may kind of mix you guys up a little bit, but you'll understand the words there. Anthony Ray. Anthony, welcome to Cars Yeah, my friend. Do you have any gear and are you ready to release the clutch? Let's get it, man. Let's get it. I haven't I haven't used the old clutch in a long time. I've been doing paddle shifters for a few years. <laughs> you know, I have a E46 M3 and I used to have, I bought that car new back in 05. Uh, I bought it with SMG. People give me grief, but I was in an ugly commute situation, but I wanted something fun. I had a C4S before that and my old left leg was just getting tired of dealing with the traffic. I love the paddle shifters. I think they're cool. I love them. I absolutely love them. I mean, I had a few of them. I, my, my very first, uh, First exotic was a Testarossa. Ooh. And, uh, boy, you talk about that clutch. It'd make your left leg bigger than your right leg. Uh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Those old Ferraris. Yeah, well, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to give you a proper introduction in a second. But before I do, hey, Anthony, what's one little thing that most people may not know about somebody as famous as you? Uh, actually, before today, they may not know that I'm actually into cars. I wouldn't just pose it in a video with them. They may not know that, but. They will after today, trust me. Yeah, no kidding. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show. I was teasing Anthony uh, before we got on the the line here. I was talking to my daughter. She's in her 30s. She has her first little baby. And I said, guess who I'm interviewing today? And she's like, who, dad? I said, sir, mix a lot. And she went, what? Are you kidding me? What? what? Have you changed it from cars? Yeah. To music? Yeah. And uh, so we had a fun little thing. So we're going to have fun today. So let me give you a little brief introduction because everybody knows who you are. Anthony Ray, known by fans as Sir Mix-A-Lot, is the owner of Rhyme Cartel Records and Mix-A-Lot Publishing. He's a songwriter, producer, performer, rapper, TV performer, and entrepreneur. His hit song, Baby Got Back, peaked at number one on the Billboard's Hot 100. You may think you know all about Anthony and his music, but what you may not know is that he is a diehard car guy who you'll find at cars and coffees, driving events, and hanging with fellow automotive enthusiasts just like us today. We'll be back in just a minute, Anthony, but first a word from our valued sponsor. So give him a little love and we'll be right back. We're with Sir Mix-A-Lot. I love Covercraft's new five-layer all-climate cover. It was developed and engineered for anything Mother Nature can throw our way. It's very soft, breathable, and easy to store and pampers your paint and interior surfaces, providing maximum UV, rain, dust, and snow protection. Add their gust guard for windy conditions for extra protection. Their five-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form and fit with a quality and attention that's been their standard since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft. Too. Every one of my vehicles is protected by a Covercraft cover. And I have a deal for you. Use the code YA21 at Covercraft.com and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Just type in the word YA, Y-E-A-H, 
21 at checkout. Yeah, 21 at Covercraft.com. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework, I shopped around, and I found American Collectors Insurance. And that's who protects my Porsche Turbo. That's right, the one I call my Orange Crush. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I encourage you to call my friends at American Collectors Insurance. Ask them about their agreed value policy. And if your collector vehicle is on your regular auto policy, you will be shocked at the savings, not to mention the assurance, should something bad happen to your ride, that you'll get what your vehicle is actually worth. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 224 9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. So, Anthony, we're back. So, before we get into your car world, uh, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your music life and what that was like. And then we're going to talk about how you've incorporated cars into this, not only into your music, but also into your life. But first, music, the world of music. You're a Seattle kid. How'd you get into this? Um, you know, it's kind of weird. I was, as, as a young guy, I, music was all around me. Of course, every entertainer says the same thing, yeah. right? My mom, but I, re- I remember genres. I remember feel of songs, why songs sounded the way they did, what made a sad song sad, what made a, a great song great, what made a fun song fun. And uh, my mom was into the blues, you know, B.B. King, Bobby Blue Bland. She loved that stuff, right? Yeah. My dad was into like Southern jazz, uh, the Crusaders, you know, uh, grand- bands like that, a little, uh, you know, Grover Washington Jr., stuff like that. Yeah. My brother, on the other hand, was into early rock and early soul. So James Brown all the way over to Peter Frampton. Ooh. I mean, he's listening to all of this stuff, right? Yeah. And and here I come uh, and I'm listening to all this stuff and then up comes P-Funk. <laughs> and that's when I get into Parliament Funkadelic, Bootsy Collins, which all come from the James Brown tree. Yeah. And uh, I said, man, I'd love to do music, but I don't have a band. I don't know how to play any instruments. And one day this uh, channel called MTV pops up. Yeah. And I see a group called Kraftwerk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Remember German this, yeah. band yeah. and no instruments. And they had these little tiny buttons and they were hitting. I'm like, yes, that's <laughs> it. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Right. And, and my mom's like, you better get a job first, son. I'm 16 years old. Sure. And, and I, I went and I did it. I did what she said. I went and got a job. I after school job, you know, you could do that back then. And I had two jobs in the summer. What I did is I couldn't afford new gear, but I've been into electronics since I was 14 years old. And I would buy broken down units, broken down mixing boards, you know, you've replaced it. So it was always power supply. Guys were throwing away this stuff over a $8 power supply. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. it, I felt like I was getting away with theft, you know? Yeah. And I, I uh, got my first studio together. I was living in the projects. I had a little, um, little eight track, uh, reel to reel. And I, I took an old mixing board and fixed up. It was only, it was eight channels, but only six channels worked. I'm like, that's close enough. Sure. And uh, yeah, and that's, that's, that's where it got started. And I started recording tapes for people. So you could come over. I couldn't really make songs yet. So what I would do, I was take various songs, mix them, 
and then do rap pieces and put your name in it. Oh, cool. Right? So your name would be in your song. People would come by and I actually found out one famous person actually came by, but he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want people to know because he was in town doing something he shouldn't have been doing. So I'll leave that alone. <laughs> but okay. yeah, I, uh, I would do these feature tapes and your name would be in it. If you're John, I put John's name in it and rap about you and all that. And you know, I was getting $10 a tape. But I, th- I thought I was getting wet. I thought I was getting rich. I really did. Yeah. You know, this is a little forte into your entrepreneurial brain, because one of the things I admire about you, Anthony, is you're a businessman. And yes. we talked about this in our pre-show chat that a lot of people that get into music or professional sports, they hit it big and then they blow it because they don't think of the business side how to deal with money, how to live with money all of a sudden if they've never had it before, and they, it evaporates very quickly. Very you, fi- It seems to me, your story right there, you were an entrepreneur from the very beginning, well, and that's carried through in your life. Yeah, let me tell you where that came from. Actually, uh, my mom and dad separated when I was seven, but my dad was always in my life. And I remember um, my grandmother lived over there on 30th and Alder in the CD, and back then, you know, the, the, the central area was all African-American. Mm-hmm. So I'm telling my dad I wanted to buy some shoes, some Nikes, the Nikes that the Sonics had on. You know, this is the year they were really good, you know, and they had gone to uh, play against the uh, Bullets and they lost. They lost the first time. And in between that and the second time, I wanted to get the Nikes that Gus Williams wore. Of course. And my dad says, well, come here, son. Let me show you something. So we're looking across the street. He said, "Okay, we got one, two, three, four, five houses over there. Of, Of those five houses, four of the houses have elderly occupants. I said, yeah. He said, you got a push mower over here. You get twenty dollars a, a a lot. There's a pair of shoes. <laughs> There's a pair of Nike. Ni- and back then, Nikes were only sixty bucks. <laughs> only, yeah. <laughs> yeah, only, yeah. And uh, I, they were about forty bucks, really. But I went down and bought a couple of pair of Nike, and that's when it started. I was like, I want more, you know. And he said, Well, work more, right? And that's kind of where it came from. And I kept that. That is the reason, to your point earlier, that I think so many entertainers go broke. I went broke because it came fast. And it felt like it came easy. Mm-hmm. So I was going, oh, this work stuff? Who needs that now? You know, And that's kind of the way I looked at it. But then when, when I actually went broke, when the IRS knocked on the door and said, that's it, yeah. the jig is up, uh, that's when I started to get that work ethic back and figure out creative ways of uh, leveraging my brand. And without, you know how guys look really desperate. They do something really stupid on television. You go, oh, man, yeah. like he's your son. You know, you're like, yeah. oh, God. Yeah. Why would you do and that? I, I did a couple of those by accident, kind of, kind of got snuck up on. But uh, I realized really quickly how to how to license product and and wh- how to deal with brands. Brands have more money than time, mm. and there's so many artists that go, "Look, I'll get to the song Thursday, or I'll do it next week," and they don't have time for that. So I said, "I have my own studio. I'm sitting in it right now. I've I've had a studio from day one." Wow. So when I deal with a brand, I'll give you an example. I did a project for Target. And and I have re-record rights. When I did my contract uh, with Rick Rubin, I made sure I had re-record rights, which gives me the right to re-record my own songs and not have to wait to get clearance. You know, they could call me direct and go, can you put this in it instead of that? Because the brand is real finicky about blank. And uh, I learned quickly how to deal with brands, how to not think they're crazy. There's words they can't say and words they have to say. And um, that's where it came from. And that kept me Kept me kind of climbing, and now the the word is out that you know this guy's pretty easy to deal with. If you want something done, call him up. Yeah, it's you know it's magical. I had John Oates on the show a couple of years ago. He's a car guy of Holland Oates, and oh, yeah. he talked about that. It was a point where he was out 
making great money. Those guys were knocking it out of the park. And one day his wife called him while he was on the road, said, uh, there's some people here and they're taking our house away from us. <laughs> and he's like, what? And yeah, he'd had his, his uh, I think it was his manager had embezzled all of his money and wasted wow. it all and all, and not been paying his taxes. Of course, the IRS always gets their money no matter what. Um, so the fact that you learned about business and I saw some great YouTube videos of you talking about the importance of branding, licensing. That's how you figured out how to do all this, right? Yeah. And, and my thing is, I, I've always been taught by my mom and dad to be modest, right? Mm. But sometimes you have to kind of step out of yourself and go, why do people like you? Mm. You have to ask yourself that once you figure that out, then you can kind of modulate that and kind of move, get things to move certain directions to get get things business wise to go where you want them to go. I knew, you know, having to hit that big, if you follow it up with something that sounds similar, it tanks. If you follow it up to something that's really bad, that that original song tanks. People stop liking it. They're like, he did that song after that. I'm done with him. So, yeah, even though I did records after that, I never tried to make them as big mm. intentionally. I did not because I knew that that was probably going to be career suicide if I tried and it flopped. And uh, that's kind of I let Baby Got Back be what people want it to be. And that's it. Well, and it's still around. I, I As I was mentioning to you, my daughter was talking about Britney Spears posted something. She still follows Britney Spears. I took her to Britney Spears concerts when she was a teenager, uh, you know, went out to the gorge and stuff. And actually, when I took her the first time, I took her and a bunch of her girlfriends and I thought, this is going to be miserable. And <laughs> the show that Britney Spears put on back in the day, I, I was like, oh, man, this gal knows knows how to entertain people. And my daughter was saying something about, you know, baby got back. The fact that it's still around. This is something that has had a life. And you're about to do a 30 year anniversary of this this song, right? Yeah, has it been that long? <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, I wrote it in 91. It came out in 92. Wow. And um, May the 7th. And it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. I have a show on May the 7th. So we're celebrating the anniversary, obviously. Congratulations. And uh, some NFTs going on. But uh, that song was originally written out of frustration. Really? Right? It, it was supposed to be, it was going to be a serious song initially. And what I, what, what I was noticing is that if you go back to that era, and I'm sure you remember well, supermodels were like heroin addicts. I mean, they were shaped like this. They were literally this twi- the twig. It was even the, you know, the Twiggy look, but even later, you know, Twiggy was the sixties kind of seventies. Yeah. Yeah. They all look like heroin addicts, man. And I'm yeah. like, this is bad. And so I, it was born out of that. Okay. And and it turned into, it just snowballed. And, and finally, uh, the, the Cosmo disc caught on and MTV banned it. And this is an interesting story. M- MTV banned it while they don't, they don't use the word ban. They say they moved <laughs> it to nighttime. Well, the song was moved number <laughs> The song was number one in the world or number one in the country at minimum yeah. and number one on MTV, but they had to move it to nighttime. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Whatever you call it. I call it banned. You call it moved, but I didn't see it after nine o'clock. And, um, I thought my career was over. Oh, wow. And the publicist, uh, Heidi Robinson, who I talked to the other day, and she—I don't—I'm not sure she remembered it. I do because it was a major part. I thought my career was over. Wow! And she called me, and she said something to me, and had to get off the phone. She said, "Mix, you are now Elvis Presley, and you shook your leg one too many times on the Ed Sullivan Show." Oh my! Goodbye. Oh my gosh! And I'm like, "Oh, I'm the forbidden fruit." Yes. Yeah. Maybe I (laughs) can do something with that. (laughs) That's the only thing that keeps a big pop song from turning corny. Uh, is all of a sudden something about it somewhat forbidden yeah. and it gave it legs, yeah. you know, yeah. or, or gave it back a little bit. Well, let's segue this into cars because, you know, I, I think of you when I look, I have a, 
I have a car that I've had for 13 years now. It's a 930 Porsche Turbo, 87, and that car has got back. I always say, you know, when people say, what do you love about that car? Well, it goes back to my youth when I was, you know, in the 80s, I, I was just married, new house, new baby, couldn't afford a new turbo, but I wanted that car because I'm a Porsche guy, but it's got hips. And I always say, I love it because it's got nice hips, yes. you know, those hips sticking out. So I want to talk to you about cars and how you've incorporated that into your life. So we're going to take a short break for our sponsors and we come back, we're going to be talking cars with Sir Mix-a-Lot. This will be fun. I've got a bunch of Porsches. This will be fun. Sit tight. You listeners know I've been into car care my entire life. I am so excited to team up with AutoGeek in 2022. AutoGeek.net has been a leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, and expert knowledge for more than 20 years. What started in 1997 as a mail order catalog company has grown into a multi-website based e-commerce store that they are today. With a large online presence on its own website featuring close to 100 different brands, AutoGeek has grown to be the largest car care retailer in the country. AutoGeek's wholesale program serves accounts in over 30 countries and its retail sector ships worldwide. Go to AutoGeek.net for the best product selection on the internet today and their stellar technical support. AutoGeek.net. It's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's AutoGeek.net. Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. So we're back, my friend. So let's talk about this. Now, cars have been an integral part of a lot of... YouTube videos of MTV videos of car culture, rap culture. I mean, all sorts of things. You talked about your mom loving BB King, riding with the King, Eric Clapton, BB. I mean, it's cars are a Chris Rhea big time into cars. I mean, a lot of rap stars have these exotic cars on their shows. When were cars an integral part of your life? When did that come into your life? Well, I, I uh, got into cars before I had a song out. I literally, um, First car I had was this old 69 Buick. That's the song. I did a song about it called My Hoopty. <laughs> and that, that, that song went gold. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Old 69 Buick, you know. And um, I, so I was in the cars already. Obviously, I, you know, you get what you can touch. I could, I could touch a Buick. I kind of got to a Cadillac, barely, right? And then I, when I put out uh, Posse on Broadway, it did pretty well. Um, so I took some money from that and I bought my first real exotic, which was a, a 87 Ferrari Testarossa. Ooh, Miami Vice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, then I, then I, like you got into Porsches. Yeah. I had three of those. I bought a, a 83 Porsche Gambala, which was really nice. The Gumb- oh my goodness. There's a special car. Yeah. Then I had an 84 Porsche Gambala, my dumb butt. 
told Uva Gambala or somebody representing him on the phone, I didn't want the fiberglass hips on the car. I wanted them steel. Oh, big mistake. That was the wrong thing to say. Talk about tail happy. Oh my God, dude. Oh, added all that weight. Yes. That was already back there. Once the inertia kind of, you know, once the car kind of twists, it's gone. It's, it's turning around and going the other direction. And that car was a bat out of hell, literally. Ah, yeah. Um, Yeah. So I've, I've had probably, God, like 30 cars. I actually wrote down a list and, uh, but I, Got into them probably around Miami Vice. Yeah. Like most people my age, Miami Vice is what messed us up. <laughs> you know, and, and I bought cars, really nice ones and really bad ones too. The first Diablo I had, ooh. Yeah, t- those early Di- Diablos were uh, a little dicey. Yeah, mine uh, caught fire on 405. What? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm driving it. Me and my buddy Ron, we're driving and he's like, you smell that? <laughs> you know, and I didn't know what, melting metal smelled like <laughs> yeah you didn't ever want to know that smell and we get out the car and it looked like somebody was soldering under there i saw this bright silver stuff dropping down and we just that was it, it. we just we just ran went to a phone booth back then you know didn't yeah. have the cell phones or we went to the phone booth and called somebody and, and oh, in all fairness to lamborghini they cleaned that up real quick yeah yeah they uh, took the car in kind of refunded me but what they did is they kind of put me in line for the, the the 94 Diablo VT, which I ended up with next. Ooh, nice. Well, that was an improvement. Yeah. Yo, big time. Yeah. Big time. Whole different yeah. kind of car. Well, let's talk about some of these cars you've had because you've had a quite a big variety of cars. Now, when you and I first met, gosh, it had to be 15 plus years ago, maybe maybe even 20. You were at an event that I, oh. Yeah, you've shown me a, a list. Okay, let's do this. You got a list. I'm going to have you run through this list real quick, okay? Because you're a guy who can talk fast. So all right. walk through this list, okay? This is junkers and all. Okay. All right, these are uh, no particular order. I had an 87 Ferrari Testarossa, 94 348 Ferrari Spider, Ferrari 348 Spider, uh, 94 512 TR. Uh, I don't know what year this was. I had a 430 red. I had F430 black, a 2006 uh, Ferrari 612, 91 Diablo, 94 Diablo VT, 2007 Lamborghini LP 640, uh, 2013 Lamborghini Aventador, which I still have, a 2012 McLaren MP412 C, 92 Dodge Viper, 500 SEL black, uh, blah, 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 500 SEC convertible, ex-drug dealer's car, bad move. Oh, God, um, yeah. 600 SEL back in the 90s, 500 SL, 500 SL white, 500 SL blue, S550, Porsche Gambala 83, Porsche Gambala 84, factory slant nose turbo, Ooh. 1988, Ooh, okay. and a hat, white over lipstick red, only paid 44, sold it for 64, thought I got away with murder, not a car worth 250. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. <laughs> uh, Porsche America Roadster, that's another one that went up in value. Yep. Uh, 91 uh, Turbo Cab, a 2009, Cor- 1987 Corvette, 2008 uh, Audi R8, 2018 Audi RS7, uh, BMW 750 IL, BMW 850, BMW 750 all-wheel drive, piece of junk, uh, Bentley <laughs> Turbo R, Cadillac Escalade, Escalade, GMC Typhoon. That's Holy mac! well, obviously there's a trend here with uh, you like power, you like cars that are sporty and yeah. so forth. You know, I think that's that's pretty darn cool. If you think about all those vehicles that you've had, let's touch on maybe one. That may be tough, but just one that really stands out for you and maybe share a story about that ride. You know, I really think even though I've had better cars, there's two cars that stood out. One was my, my something about that 87 Testarossa. 
It was my first exotic, big, nasty, wide, obnoxious, you know, and it's just something visceral about this. The, you know, first gear, obviously, you go down. Yeah. And when I do that on stage, people are like, look, he has the gears backwards. Oh, yeah. You have the gears backwards. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's yeah. It's right? got that weird. Yeah. It's got that weird shift gate. Yeah. And the yeah, wonderful yeah. metal shift gate that they had on those cars. And, and here's now, don't laugh at me. No, I, I literally before I bought that Tessarosa could not drive a stick. Really? Never driven one. Oh my gosh, that's a car, was, that's an awkward it, car to start on. It, it was like I get it, and uh, the the back then when you bought an exotic up here, the insurance company had to come where that when they dropped it off, you couldn't even drive it around the block. Really, they, they would meet the car at some place, usually at the insurance company itself, right? And they had to go through it, find out what it was. They knew nothing about exotics up here back then. Wow. Um. So yeah, that car stood out, and the two thousand nine uh, Porsche Turbo. Porsche Turbo Cab. That something about Porsches. What I like about them, they're fast. They're understated, so you can drive them every day. Yeah. And people don't want to see you coming off that red light. They <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to see you. They're like, oh no, act like I don't see the Porsche. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's look just, the other way. Look the other just way. Just very smart cars. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I had a Werner Rampelschama. <laughs> okay. He was some guy that built uh, Andile Motors for the Porsche race team. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, I know who you're talking about. And I made the dumb mistake of having him come up and build my take my 87 and blow it out and put this big motor in it. Yeah. Yeah, that that I yeah, yeah, that didn't keep in mind there was no traction control in 1987. Right. Yeah, that was um that was a death trap. Well, there's a reason they call those cars Widowmakers back in the day. Oh, yeah. All the 930 turbos. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The uh, yeah. baby got back becomes baby got front really quick yeah. when that car oh, yeah. spins around and yeah, does that to you. You start to see what's going on behind you. <laughs> uh, well, no, no. It's not what you want to do. Absolutely. You know, I like to ask my guests about a challenge. When you're in the music business, there's a lot of challenges. And you mentioned one of them. I mean, you got to a point where your money went away. Then you had to reinvent yourself, build that money back up. Is there one challenge and maybe we stick to the car world but if you want to go business world that's okay with me it's really more about that lesson that it taught you so that you can move forward in a really positive way well you know i got around a good friend of mine i, I don't think he minds me saying his name he is a car nut oh, yeah? greg witten oh greg yeah i know greg yeah oh yes greg witten uh i learned one thing from him he didn't know i learned it he'll find out now and that was don't pose ah. because they know, yeah. right? So Greg is not the, you're not going to pose around Greg Whitney. He's going to go, okay, maybe he did buy that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. no, he knows, he can tell, you know, and uh, I learned a lot just being around him. A guy that can afford anything he wants sure. makes you kind of, kind of humbles you a little bit, but right. he's so modest about it. Yeah. He doesn't, it's almost like he doesn't know he's rich, but he's a good dude. And I just learned a lot being around him, you know, the way he looks at cars. I mean, he loves them. But he keeps it. In, it's all. It keeps it in perspective. It's not. Yeah. It's not. Doesn't mean you're better than the next guy. He doesn't act like that. You no. Know? You know. I I met Greg years ago when I was at Grio's Garage. I used to go up to uh, and you know John Shirley as well. Oh, I used yeah. to go up to his garage, the Spinner Garage, and we'd shoot pictures of his cars for our catalog covers. And we were there. I think it was the second time I'd ever been there. And he said, "Hey, there's a guy who has a, a warehouse just." like right there next to mine. Yeah. And he's got some cool cars. You want to go over there? And I said, yeah. And I didn't know Greg at that point. I had heard of Greg Witten, but didn't really know who he was. Went over there and he was trying to get a, a air pump working or something. He bought this little air compressor or something. We walk over, very quiet, unassuming, but yeah. you walked in there and you look around at the cars and go, oh 
my goodness. <laughs> and I was racing vintage cars at the time. And I think it was that next spring I met him at the Sovereign event. And he was racing a little Lotus, a blue Lotus, uh, a lawn, I believe it was, that was pretty cool. And then he would pull out things like his uh, F40 and F50. And he had a GTO at the time. He had the Jaguar lightweight. I mean, yeah. but such a lot of Ferraris. He's had them all. Yeah. Super nice guy. And yeah. you're right. Very unassuming, but I think that was a great lesson that he taught you was, yeah, car people could sniff out non-car people or posers yep. really quickly. And oh, I, I, the guy that pulls up in a in a Aston Martin, nothing wrong with an Aston Martin, mm-hmm. but they pull up in their Aston Martin, you know, got the chest kind of showing, <laughs> girls got the fresh boob job and they get out. And I'm like, dude, stop. stop. Yeah. When I see a car like that, if I have one, I want to sell it. That's how that's how bad it looks. You know what I mean? Because I. No, if you're a car guy or gal, it's it's a culture. Yes. It, it's But it doesn't, the holier than thou because I have one is BS. Right. I, I can't stand that. I hate that, man. Yeah. No, you know, when I first met you, I didn't know you very well. I knew of, you, of your music and I thought, okay, maybe it's a guy who's made money, wants to buy cars because of that whole persona. But as you and I spoke, I learned really quickly, wait, this is a real car guy. Yeah. <laughs> I started out as a poser though. I did. <laughs> no, no, no. The first bins I bought, I went down- Boy, this is this is embarrassing. I'm tell this story. Okay. I bought a brand new 560 SEL. Nice big car, big touring first, car. Yeah. yeah. First new bins, perfect. What do I do? I drive. I'm not. I get it in Miami, right? And I I see I see the drug dealers' cars, and I'm like, man, that's what I need. I take this car, go and have it beautiful white 560. I had it painted candy apple red. Oh my gosh. With a gold grill. Okay. And rims got home matured and two years later that back then was a 75 eighty thousand dollar car which was a lot back then sure yeah forty two thousand dollars for sure it. yeah i learned about depreciation yes and and i learned about leave it original just leave it original don't put rims on it jay-z has a has a line in one of his songs that i swear by oh yeah i'm young enough to know the right car to buy yet i'm grown enough not to put rims on it <laughs> I don't buy the bright watch. I buy the right. Uh, yeah. So I live by that now. No, I think that's great. You know, we're into the new year here, 2022. Can you believe it? Holy cow. We've survived the last two years. What's in the future for you with your business? And uh, where are you? What's what's a new adventure for you? Because you're not the kind of guy I think that sits back and retires. I mean, you're, you're, you're a guy that stays busy. Well, I'm, we're going to do some shows. I like to tour for my guys. Um, you know, I, I treat my group. Kind of like I, they're like mini me's, and I don't mean that in a, in a in a condescending way. What I mean is, I want them to be businesses, mm. not employees. So I pay them as businesses. You know, I send them ten ninety nines. You know, and I said, look, you guys, you're your own business. Deal with that uh, because I want them to pick that up and run with it. Because I'm not, I'm not touring forever. I, I I'm really, honestly, kind of sick of it. The, the the only part I like is the show, getting there, the hotel, the. Chasing a promoter down, he doesn't want to pay you. Then he does. Then he realizes you're willing to walk, and he meets you at the place, and he pays. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's that energy. I'm so, and you can see it coming from a mile away. It's like, oh, he's not going to pay you. Oh yeah, he's not going to. He's going to talk about this until right up to showtime. They wait till showtime. Like, you going on stage? Nope. Here's your money. That kind of. It's just, just like, yeah, it's a weird business. Yeah. So I, I think for me. I'm going to still do some shows. I'm going to ease back on some of that stuff. I'm going to continue licensing because uh-huh. I like it because you can do it and not be seen. 
Yeah. Uh, and that that's really good because the more they see you, they like it initially. And it's like, God, this guy again. You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, there's some people I see right now. I'm like, oh, Jesus, this guy's on t- television again. And it makes it kind of corny. Yeah. But I'm going to I'm going to do a lot, lot more business, but I'm also going to do a lot more personal because I have things. I have hobbies yeah. that I'm that are just rusting in the garage right now with oh, electronics. car hobbies. No, not just no, no? not car hobby. I have a CNC machine up back that I cut and make elect- electronic cabinets for amplifiers I build for people. And oh my gosh, yeah, I love doing that stuff, man. You're always doing things. Well, yeah. when you think about car, are you guy that I know you love to go to some car events? Are there some car events that you'd like to get back out in the world and go see this year? I would love to go to Monterey again because it's just, just, I didn't go. I don't know if it even happened last year. Oh, it did. It did. It did. Okay. How did it go? I mean, was it? It, it, There was a lot less people because a lot of Europeans could not leave or get back into their country. So it was quieter. There was a lot of events that weren't taking place, the side events, but the main events were still taking place and there were still a good number of people. So in that respect, it was only good that it wasn't as crowded because Monterey, as you know, Car Week, it's a little crazy. Yeah. Uh, I think this year you're going to see something very different and it'll be back to the norm uh, where we all get together with people. So definitely I'm planning on, go- on going this year. So we got to connect. and Yeah, let's go, over to, let's go over to Bubba Gump Shrimp, man, and get something <laughs> to eat and tell some lies. You there know? you go. I think that, yeah. that sounds like fun. Okay, I'm going to be your car psychologist here, all right? This is help kind of out, a, kind of, Okay, help you out. I'm going to help you, Anthony. I'm going to crawl in your skull. And ask you this question. If you were manifest as a vehicle, now this isn't what you want to be. This is how you perceive the man in the mirror. You got to dig a little deep for me here. What would Anthony Ray be? But more importantly, why? Now, why would I want to be or what do I see me being? No, this isn't. Yeah, this is not what you want to be. That's too easy. This is, if you dig deep into your psyche of the kind of man you are, what would that translate into a vehicle? I would say, and this is going to sound kind of goofy. That's okay. That's It's a goofy question. <laughs> I would say the new iteration of the Corvette. Really? Okay. Yeah, even though that? I've only had one Corvette. Yeah. And I say that because I'm not, I, I have a Lamborghini, but I'm not that outrageous personally. Right. But I like style, but don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be the only guy you look at because you you might steal my wallet. You know, some <laughs> of those kind of guys that there's something about that vet. Yeah. It, it, it sounds so much better to me because I love the sound of an exotic yeah. and that, that, Oh my goodness to hear that. That sounds like a Ferrari going by, you know, I just love this. I love the high revving engine. I love the fact that Chevrolet did it. I'm proud of them and uh, made here. So that, that, that don't get me started with the whole flat waving, but um, yeah, probably that vet because it, it's, Humble, but it's going to kick a lot of ass. You know, I'm really impressed what they did with that car. And there's been times I've seen them coming in a rearview mirror and I went, which Ferrari is that? And yes. I go, that's not a Ferrari. Yeah. And Close your eyes and listen to one and watch what you do. That's the other part of it. <laughs> yeah. They did a nice job with that car. But you know, we didn't touch on here today. And I want to go back to this is Lamborghini because I do think of you as a bit of a Lamborghini kind of guy. And the really? thing about Lamborghini to me is like, it's the rebel Ferrari guy. Yeah. It's, it's the guy that wants to be a little different, be a little out there. What is it about the Lamborghini brand that you love so much? You hit it right on the nose. I, I felt when I was looking to buy my first exotic, even though I ended up buying a Ferrari, oddly enough, it was one of the directors of The Exorcist that talked me into getting the Tesla. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Noel Marshall was his name. Wow. He talked me into it. But anyway, I um, I bought the Testarossa, but I it was really interesting. When I bought it, it felt the, 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 the process, the sale felt, you're here now. You've arrived. Oh, okay. I'm like, yeah. You know, whereas Lamborghini, man, come here, dude. Yeah, welcome to Lamborghini. It just felt 
a little tacky, but not uh, not too not too hairy chest, but a little yeah. a little too hairy chest for me. But <laughs> you, when you find guys that take Lamborghinis serious and aren't trying to you know pose and right. show up, with the, trying to show off, yeah, it's just know, the giant it. diamond. It's kind of a if you took an exotic and you made it a, a working exotic, it would be Lamborghini post Audi. Okay. Yeah, the, I think the Audi relationship is what made me really like Lamborghini because initially, you know, they were two-wheel drive, they, they were scary as hell. I yes. mean, oh, yeah. I, I drove at the anniversary model, Countach, 89. And I used to think people were posing when they drove down in Miami with the doors open. And it's hot, yeah, but hot. You can't breathe. You can't breathe, man. Yeah. The air condition was like nothing, nothing. So I think, yeah, I, I Lamborghini for me, I love them. I probably always have one um, because they are the, the bastard child of Ferrari. I mean, they, yeah. <laughs> they don't care. Um and I think because of Audi, they're going to probably be electrified in a better way than Ferrari will. You know, that's interesting you say that. I was just having that conversation with somebody the other day. Where it's going to happen with these cars, you already see Porsche talking about it. Uh, you see Ferrari. I mean, you go, when is Ferrari going to build electric? When are Lamborghini? I mean, they're going to have to go that way at some point in time. And how are they going to manage that for us diehard guys that love those sounds of those engines? Thank you. I was just going to say everything about, I can, you and I both can do this, can close our eyes and hear a Ferrari go down the street and know it's a Ferrari and you hear a Lamborghini go down the street, you know, it's a Lamborghini. And and it's just, when that's gone, that's going to be very interesting. The speed is, I I drove my first Tesla. What'd you think? The guy that bought my old house and I loved it. I was surprised. It was only a model three. I I was like, and I was driving it with no hands and scared the hell out of me. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, this he's like, don't touch the wheel. I'm like, dude, because it waits it's, so long before it starts it's to turn. It's kind of freaky, it. yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. But I tell you, I liked it. I now, what I, I just, it just looks so mundane, though. It's like <laughs> a, it's like a female slipper going down the street. I, I think I, I like. I almost bought a Taycan Turbo S, but it costs way too much, and the range is really low on it. Yeah. You know, two hundred, maybe two twenty. Um, but I love the little fake sound when I revved it up. When I was, I like sure. that. I mean, I need something visceral. And with the with the Tesla, I didn't hear anything. It was just silence. Well, I think the Tesla has its place for what it does. And, you know, for those of us who still want to have that toy, yep. something fun, we're still going to have that. And that's where I think some of these cars are going to end up being these exotic cars that we have now. They're going to end up being play toys for tracks and special yep. events, sadly. Now, this could be 50 years from now because gasoline's not going away for a while. There's no way. Can't happen. There's not enough electricity. You know, Anthony, are you, are you are you a reader? Is there a book that you've maybe read in the last year or so that you really stood out for you that you'd like to share? You know, I'm like the kids now, man. Everything I read is on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's me reading a book. Like, is that a quote I can put on a T-shirt? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Everything I read is on YouTube. I I, I watch a lot. I can't believe how many instructional oh, yeah. YouTube videos I watch that have nothing to do with anything I'm doing. Yeah, right. I, I know. I'm in the studio. I own my mixer over here. I know how to use this mixer. But I will watch an instructional video on the mixer I've already owned for five years just to see maybe he has something. Maybe he's doing something I'm not doing, you know? That's how I learned how to be a podcaster. I watched a lot of YouTube videos, how to record, how to edit, uh, how to build a website. Uh, It's amazing what you can learn out there today. It really is. Have you ever explained to your kid what an owner's manual looks like? (laughs) (laughs) We have a joke in my family whenever any of my kids or my wife says, something's not working on my car. And before I can say it, they go, I know what you're going to say. Have you read the owner's manual? Yeah. But now I just go onto my phone and go, how do I change the clock back on my X5? Yeah. I don't remember how to do that, you know? Yeah, matter of fact, uh, my owner's manual for this 
gigantic mixer over here is literally a USB key. Is it really? Yep. Wow. Yep. Everything is there. Yeah. Even a guy on a video showing me how to do stuff. I'm like, wow. <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'm going to use that quote. I love that quote. Everything I read is on YouTube. That's, that's yeah. ultimate. Very good. Before I let you go, I'm going to let you go on the ultimate ride. I've got an unlimited checkbook here. So I'm like the producer that has tons of money. Okay. And as you, uh -huh. the creative guy, I'm going to let you pick any vehicle in the world. You can be driving with anyone, living or deceased. That opens up an interesting window. And you can be driving anywhere you want to be in any car. What does that look like for Anthony Ray? Who's driving? Me or the... You, can, or the you get to choose at all, my friend. So you could have a passenger or pick a race car driver that could be taking you around the Nürburgring or Spa. I would say, because he probably hates this car. Okay. <laughs> the Bugatti Chiron. Oh, my gosh. With Jay Leno driving. Okay. He kind of doesn't like Lamborghini. He always, he cracks a little joke. He goes, yeah, I don't like exotics that look like insects. I'm like, that's <laughs> what I do like. <laughs> you know, I like the wings. What do you, you know, let me ask you about that because the Bugatti, we haven't talked about that. That's kind of those crazy outlier things. I mean, it, it's ridiculously priced. You see them once in a while being driven, but I think they're more trophy queens that sit in a garage for many and they, people. You know what? I drove one. Did you? Uh, yeah, they brought one out to... Uh, to Redmond Town Center, and I drove it. Greg, Greg, of course he didn't. He couldn't stand it. Um, <laughs> Tom drove it. Uh, Vic, all of us drove it. Okay, but I, I think I was the only one that got that thousand horsepower needle to go up to a thousand. Oh my gosh! Whoa! I won't say I won't say I was on a city street. I'll say I was on the straightaway. There you go, on the straightaway. Yeah, yeah. yeah it. Uh, I would. That would be Jay Leno. He called me to do his show, but it was, it was during the middle of COVID. I'm like, oh, eh, yeah, I don't want to come down. I don't think I want to be staying at hotels and stuff at that time. I feel bad because it's Jay Leno. Yeah, I you know. know. Come on, man. That, that would have been huge. So I, I hope he calls back or or whatever. I really like that guy. He's the most, another guy that's so modest, man. Yeah. It's just Quintessential insane. car guy. Yeah, he's hardcore. Yeah. Way beyond me. Yeah. I mean, way, he's, he knows every, he can tell you every motor and every car since the 50s. I, I don't get in that deep. He's amazing. <laughs> you know, before I let you go today, I'd love for you to share a success quote, a mantra, some kind of. Words of inspiration for those folks out there. It could be business-related, music-related, something to maybe set the new year off right. It's one line I always go by. As a matter of fact, we're working on locking it up and making it mine. We'll see. But okay. hard work is preparation for a lucky day. I love it. Hard work is preparation for a lucky day. You know, that's awesome. How can people follow along with what you're doing these days? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at The Real Mix. You can follow me on uh, Instagram at The Real Sir Mix-a-Lot. Somebody stole the name, obviously. And obviously, Facebook, look me up under Sir Mix-a-Lot. You'll see my fat head. I don't post a lot, but I'm learning to post more. Uh, YouTube, look up Sir Mix-a-Lot. You'll see me. By the way, yeah, those of you who like, and I'm not trying to sell a song because I never put it up for sale. The song has always been just on YouTube. There's a song called Cars, C-A-R-Z, that I did with all my friends from uh, Redmond Town Center. Yeah. We did it right over here at a, at a Crest Air Park. Cool. And we were flying down. The straightaway at 150 miles an hour, legally. Legally, there you go. Legally, you guys check out that video. It's it's like 10 minutes of nothing but car porn. You know, it That's is cool. I'll put a link to that. I've seen that. Um, you know, I want to do a shout out to our mutual good friend, Scott Whitehead. Uh, he's That's the one that. that got us together here today. Scott is awesome. He was an early guest of mine. Took a chance with me when I said, hey, I want to be a podcaster. And he said, what's that? And uh, he's been on the show a few times. He's done some amazing things. And I'm sure he's put some sound systems in your vehicles. Oh, yeah. He's done some sound systems. And what he's doing uh, on the Scrape Armor, I'll just say that right now. I can't tell everything. But what he's doing with Scrape Armor is 
incredible. It's not the same old bumper guard. No, crap. no. I, you know, you listeners, uh, go check that out. I had him on the show uh, this past year, 2021. He talked about his links with GM. He's doing some stuff for the Corvette. Okay, he said, okay. Yeah, okay. that's all so, out there. So he's he's producing that stuff, OEM stuff for the Corvette. He's one of those guys that just, his brain is always, it's, it's like you. I know why you guys get along. Your brains are always working on what's next. What can I do? The stuff he did for COVID, for the healthcare yeah, industry, yeah. Uh, to put that stuff out there. So Scott, you're the guy. Uh, good He's job. He's the guy, man. That guy's been, I met Scott at 17 years old. Really? You've known him that long? Yeah, my Porsche Gambala, I had the white one. Yeah, I wanted him to do my system. And why? Because I was getting getting it done at another place and he witnessed something that I don't even want to repeat because it was so foul yeah. that they said about me. And so I took my car and I said, why don't you do it? So were you one of his first clients then? I was his first client because he came to my house and did it in my garage. No way. At my old house, which is right down the street. Yeah, him, him and his wife. Oh my She God. wasn't his wife. She wasn't his wife well, yet. Yeah. They were, they were boyfriend and girl. They've been, they were high school sweethearts. Yes. One o'clock in the morning. He'd be, I said, dude, go home or come in here and go to sleep. Nope. I want to get this knocked out. And we, yeah. we finished that car. We took it down to CES. Wow. It was a star to show down there. And we've been friends ever since, man. That guy is my buddy for life. He's a he, hard worker. Yes. Yeah. He, he needs to stop working sometimes. <laughs> Take a pause and go do something that's not work related. Oh, yeah. Well, it's hard. It's hard for people like him for you to uh, do that because you know what? He's doing what he loves, just like you're doing what you love. Right. Yeah. I, I love this game and I love the business. I sometimes I get around other artists and, and they bore the hell out of me because they've seen everything's about attention. Yeah. You know, me, 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 me. It's like, dude, act like you've been there before. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like. And, and let some of these young kids get the shine, man. Yeah. I want to, I want to just produce somebody, let them go out and do what they do. You know, I can help them manage stuff if they want me to. If not, they can go broke like I did and learn the hard way. Learn the hard. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah, there's other ways to learn. Yeah. Well, Anthony, this has been a great fun to connect with you. I uh, wish you the best in 2022. Congratulations on 30 years. Baby got back. I mean, tremendous. The longevity of that song is incredible. You're a great guy. And I really want to thank you until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> there you go. This was a great fun. I really want to thank you for doing this with me. This was awesome. Right on, man. No, anytime. Anytime. I love talking to stuff. You take care of yourself, my friend. All right, man. The most important lesson I've learned after interviewing nearly 2,000 people is that we are at our best when we help others. Cars Yeah! is all about inspiring automotive enthusiasts and helping others to be successful. In 2022, my charities of choice are TechForce Foundation and RPM Foundation. Both are groups of like-minded nonprofits working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. RPM was created to ensure that the specialized skills needed to care for classic automobiles, boats, and motorcycles continue to be passed down from generation to generation. They do this by supporting training for young people with a passion for restoration and setting them up with mentors who can share their valuable knowledge. TechForce Foundation is dedicated to solving the technical shortage that threatens the transportation industry today by providing career development resources and increasing awareness and enthusiasm for the tech profession. Learn more about these groups at RPM Foundation and TechForce Foundation today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.